unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Be back. 
Be baptized. Not loud enough. Be baptized. Acts 2.38. Okay? And Peter, uh, and Peter said to them, to them, to them, Peter said to them, and be baptized. Be baptized in the name of the name of the name of Be baptized in the name of the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission, remission, remission. For the remission, remission of sin. And you'll receive, receive, receive. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the last one, be faithful. Revelation 2.10. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful unto death. And I, and I will give you a crown of life. And let's do the shorter version. Ready? Hear the believers take confess, be baptized in the water. Rise up again to walk with Christ and live like you are. Good. Alright. How many elders do we have here? Yeah. 
Let's sing about what God made on each day of creation, all right? Day one, day one, lovely whiteness there was none. few announcements before we uh, go to class. I was handed some announcements to make tonight. First of all, we're thankful that you're here and uh, we're honored to have you, especially if you're visiting with us. I hope you'll take advantage of our Bible classes tonight. Now, uh, Stephen gave me these announcements, so please listen to this. There's a teacher class lineup sheet for May, June, July quarter in the Welcome Center. If you want a list of all the classes on Sunday and Wednesday night, might be helpful for you. Uh, please uh, pick up one of those uh, papers in the foyer. Also, our Super Saturday Bible School is coming up January the 10th. When you wake up tomorrow, you can say it's next month. Isn't that something? What'd I say? She didn't even catch it. She's so used to it. 
It's June the 10th, okay? Don't listen, don't go by what I say, go by what I mean, please. Okay? Okay. That's going to be on June the 10th. That'll be etched in your memory now. Uh, please begin planning and praying. Uh, there will be an interest meeting for all those who want to teach and help next Sunday morning following our worship in the little chapel. So please keep that in mind. Then let me mention this. Uh, the Golden Circle is going to go to Joe Wheeler Lake uh, next Friday, this coming Friday. And uh, we're going to be taking a boat cruise around the lake. Uh, the cost is $20 a person is all it costs. Then we're going to go eat at Two Fat Sisters afterwards. And uh, we've got room for five more. And uh, if you want to take advantage of that, please sign that list as quickly as possible. Uh, that's all the announcements that I have tonight. Uh, will you bow with me in prayer? And then uh, Luke uh, Jones is going to be leading our song tonight for our teachers to go to class. All right. So let's pray. Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we are indeed grateful to you for all you do for us. Father, there are many that we know that are sick, that need our prayers right now. We pray your richest blessings upon each one of them. You know their needs, Father, and we pray that we would do what we can to encourage them. Again, Father, we ask your blessings upon those that have lost loved ones that are grieving. Please, Father, uh, help them and uh, give them the strength and consolation that they need. Again, Father, we want to thank you of the blessings of being a part of this church here at Boonville. Please bless this congregation. Help us to continue to be a shining light in this community. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Today we'll be singing I'll Fly Away, number 851, I'll Fly Away, 851, the first verse.
this week. Next week, actually beginning Wednesday, we'll be swapping out classes for our adults. So looking forward to new opportunities coming and hope that you will invest yourself in several Bible classes that are being offered. Uh, we had a tremendous weekend. And if you were here, you already know that. If you are not here, then I hope that you'll take advantage of the recordings that were made that are accessible through Facebook and just soak in some of that. We did not have the response in our community that we had hoped for. However, you were taught and now you have some valuable instruction and maybe, maybe that's the way that we can make all the difference in our area. Nevertheless, we're going to continue to knock on doors and to invite people and try to make an impact in our community, aren't we? Not, not your head this way. It feels good to do this, okay? So thank you for everybody who was here, and thank you for those who are going to invest some time. So tonight is the last class in a series of lessons that has taken six months and I hope it's been worth the time. We have really spent a lot of valuable study into what it takes to be a leader and then specifically all the qualifications that we find in scripture relative to the elders and the deacons. Hopefully we'll finish that up tonight. Well, we're going to finish. <laughs> Do we get through all of it? I don't know, but we'll get started here in just a moment. I have some sick people though that I wanna mention. I'll go through it pretty quickly. If you have someone at the end you would like to add to this list, we will do that and we'll be praying for them in just a moment. And then after that, we'll begin our study together. Irene Baker is Melinda Hester's mother and she has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz is undergoing a long series of treatments. That's the gardener's grandson. Don Dawson is at home under hospice care. Brenda was here today. It was good to see her. Uh, Dale's uncle, Wade Davis has been missing since June the 22nd. Carolyn Wilcutt's recovering. Bobby Petty has cancer. Kelby Smith has Parkinson's disease. Cody McGee's recovering from his foot surgery from several months ago. Larry Kennedy has lymphoma. Van Roberts has pancreatic cancer. Paul Rollison has brain cancer. Lex Crossan has health issues. Norma Hemwell has several health problems. We visited, saw her the other day, and she was doing okay, but Joan is nursing both her and Luther. Marty Woodruff and his wife Donna both have cancer. Eli Johnson's undertaking treatments and radiation. Ethan Kendrick's friend, Justin Mooney, has throat cancer. He's taking treatments for that. James Goddard has cancer. John Roten's having some health problems. Anne Langford has pain in her legs. Emma Hutton has cancer. Paul Nichols, Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller, Scotty Ennis, Paul Goldman, Pat Moore, Teresa Burcham, they all have some form of cancer. Lauren Galloway's pregnant. She's doing well. And so is Lauren. And we're just thankful for that. Uh, Linda Garrett's undergoing some follow-up treatments for her cancer surgery. So she's really wiping her out, these treatments are. 
Jimmy Gross is Bo's father. He has dementia. Barbara Foster has breast cancer. Mike Vance has cancer. Lynn's recovering from her shoulder surgery. She's over there. Uh, Luther Mormon, of course, fell, broke his wrists. Saw him the other day. Um, he can't sit for hardly any period of time without reverting. His, bo his body goes into just almost spasms with pain. So he keeps moving. Well, they were going to do an MRI. They did the MRI. Turns out, in addition to all the broken bones, are all these broken ligaments in his arms. So he's just really got a mess going on and can understand the degree of pain that he's dealing with. So let's keep praying for Luther in his recovery. Dave Woodrow's dealing with some problems. Glenn Newton's facing some serious health problems. James Hester's undergoing tests. Jeremy Owens has brain tumor. Marley Warner's recovering from her surgery. Eddie Allen had shoulder replacement surgery. Is he doing okay? Good. Larry Muse is a friend of Joe's. He has colon cancer. Courtney Kearns suffered injuries in a fire. Angie South has cancer. Case Bearden's one of uh, Nita Forrest's students. He crushed his leg at school playing basketball and PE, had to have surgery. He's back at school what? Okay, good. Okay, that's great. Uh, Lennox Kenimers, five years old, has leukemia. Bridget Williams, you've seen she's walking around with this huge wrapped up hand, but she had some surgery this past week. Uh, she had a benign tumor removed and she's recovering from that. Brenda Taylor, not Chopper's wife, okay? Let me, not Chopper's wife. Just turns out, same name, got it? Um, she has bladder cancer, and this is one of Lisa Peake's friends. Okay, now, Brenda Taylor, our Brenda Taylor, Chopper's wife, she has been dealing with severe headaches since Thursday. Several of you were asking, where, where's, where's Brenda? And she's really, really suffering with that. But don't worry, Chopper's taking care of her. Right, Chopper? Okay. Right, he says. Okay. And our Linda is going to be having surgery, hip replacement surgery on the 15th. So we're praying that that goes well. And she has indicated that's the, that's the final stop. That's the end. So we get over to this side. We're finished. That's good. Glad for that. Okay, do you have anybody else you want to? Yes. be praying for that. Uh, what, what to do about that? Okay. Mm. Somebody else have a hand? Yes. 
Roy Taylor. Doing okay? They flew to the Baptist East this morning, and he's going to lay there until his heart gets well enough to do the last act. He's got four blockages. Your sister? Are we talking about your sister? Yeah. Okay. Are Let's have our prayer, and I know there's probably a lot more. We usually, most likely we just have a prayer session. Just throw names out and pray over them, but we'll have to stop here. You just think of them as we're going through, okay? Our Father, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for all the good things that will come from our events this weekend. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve, and we pray that you help us to be a light in so much darkness that's around us. Pray for these people who are sick for their recovery, if it's your will. Bless Irene Baker. She'll have good days with her family. Austin Wentz, we pray that he'll be strong through his treatments. Be with Don Dawson as he's in the hospital again. We, we pray that you'll help him to rally in, in his health. And we pray for Brenda in that. Be with the Davis family as Wade's been missing for so long. Pray for Carolyn Wilcutt, who's recovering. Bless Bobby Joe, uh, Bobby Petty, who has cancer. Be with Kelby Smith, 
He'll have good days. We pray for Cody McGee, who's recovering from surgery. Bless Larry Kennedy, Van Roberts, Paul Rollison, who all have cancer. Bless Lex Cross and Norma Hemwell, that they'll both have increase of health. We pray for Marty and Donna Woodruff, who has cancer. Pray for Eli Johnson and his treatments. Bless Justin Mooney, James Goddard, who have cancer. We pray for John Roten's uh, well-being. Bless Ann Langford. She'll find relief from her pain. Pray for Emma Hutton, who has cancer. For Paul Nichols, Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller, Scotty Ennis, Paul Goldman, Pat Moore, who all have cancer. For Teresa Burcham has cancer. We pray blessings on Laura Galloway and Lauren Brumley as they go through their pregnancies. Please strengthen Linda Garrett as she's undergoing her treatment. Be with Jimmy Gross that he'll have good days. Be with Barbara Foster, Mike Vance who have cancer. We thank you that Lynn's doing so much better and we pray that she'll have a full recovery and strengthen her shoulder again. Be with Luther that he will find some relief from his pain and that his body will heal. Pray for Dave Woodrow that he will have better days. Bless Glenn Newton and James Hester's. They both face tests and pray that their health will be good. Pray for Jeremy Owens who has cancer. Be with Marley. She recovers from her surgery. We pray for Eddie Allen who's recovering from shoulder replacement surgery. Bless Larry Muse, who has cancer. Courtney Kearns, who's suffered some injuries in the fire. We pray for Angie South, who has cancer. We're thankful that Case Bearden's doing better and is back at school. We pray he'll have a full recovery. Pray for Lennox Kenimer, who has leukemia. Bless Bridget as she recovers from her surgery. And we're thankful that it was benign. We pray for Brenda Taylor who's Lisa's friend and has bladder cancer, and we pray her treatments go well. We pray for our Brenda Taylor that she'll find relief from her headaches that have come on quickly. Lord, bless Linda Beard as she is facing her hip replacement surgery very soon. We pray it's a great success and that she gets the kind of relief that she's looking for. We pray for Loxley Eaton, who's condition has been discovered as genetic and has terrible complications. We pray that a sufficient treatment is available that will help maybe to reverse some of the damage that she's experienced. We pray for Roy Taylor, who's had this heart attack and seems very serious, who's weak and waiting for a bypass. We pray that that uh, he'll do well. We pray for Pat Cooper, who's in the hospital. We pray your blessings on her body and that she can rally. We pray for Virginia Goddard in an advanced age who's now in the hospital. And we pray for the family in Biggersville that suffered uh, the loss of a child through suicide. I just can't imagine, but I pray your comfort on them and just, I just pray as we've studied this weekend that some of this despair, anxieties, depression, that we can touch people with Jesus and 
find a remedy to some of these things that are plaguing our society. We pray, Lord, that you will bless us in our study tonight and help us to be stronger as a result. And I pray for those who are examining themselves for leadership. Pray that they will come to some conclusions about that, either to step up or to make changes. Whatever's necessary, I pray you'll prompt us in the right way to head ever forward. And thank you for the blessing of all that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're studying in 1 Timothy chapter 3, so if you'll turn there. Um, appreciate Rick reading so much over the last few months. He's just, just nearly worn out, but he, he perseveres through it. And if you don't, remind, you don't mind reminding us, if you'll read our text, uh, verses 8 through 13 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and letting these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found harmless. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, Rolling their children and their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon, deacon well, purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Okay, there you have it. Qualifications for deacons. A lot of those things in there in that text, very similar in some cases, exactly the same as what we found with the elders. Uh, some cases they're, they're different, maybe even... Um, kind of an extension, a little more required. Um, we're here holding fast the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. I thought it'd be fun to kind of break that down a little bit. And the first thing I, I noticed that is of significance is the idea of a pure conscience. So if you don't mind, read for us Acts chapter 23 and verse one, because we've got somebody that we know very well who basically describes his actions as having been related to this kind of thing of having a pure conscience. And Paul earnestly beholding the council said, men and brethren, I have, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. I've lived in good conscience before God until this day. Oh, by the way, that good conscience prompted me to hunt down Christians because I believe based on what I thought was true from the scriptures that those Christians were a threat to the God of heaven, the one God of heaven, almighty God. And so at the time I thought I was doing the right thing. So is conscience always a good guide? No. no, shake your head this way. Conscience is not always a good guide. It depends on how your conscience has been trained. So here's the thing. Paul at one time had been studying the ancient scriptures and had concluded on the basis of his instruction, not just from what he read, but from how he had been taught by, well, we find out it was Gamaliel, but as he had been taught, the result was, oh, I'm against Christianity. Did his conscience change? Nod your head this way. Yeah, it did. When, can you point to a time when the beginning of the change of the conscience of 
the man who would later be called Paul actually occurred? Uh, well, on the road to Damascus. Yeah, on the road to Damascus. He had a confrontation with someone who's going to change the direction of his conscience. What that was, was better instruction. Better instruction. Is it possible for you, based on your conscience, to think that stealing is okay? If your conscience is trained that way, if you grew up in a family where you had to steal in order to feed yourself, most likely then, if that was the practice of those you were around all the time, you grew up thinking what? It's okay. I'm, it doesn't, doesn't hurt my... So I says, how could you do that? You're like, how could I not do that? And now everybody does it. So when you learn better, hopefully you do better. Learning better helps to instruct the conscience so that then the conscience can be a hedge against doing what? doing evil or doing wrong. What is against what trained the conscience, okay? Now look at this. When we talk about a deacon, we're talking about somebody who holds the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience, okay? Back up from that. I have learned the truth. I hold, quote unquote, the mystery of the faith. In that context, the mystery of the faith was the gospel isn't just for Jews, it's also for Gentiles. That means that I'm not going to have any prejudice against someone who isn't like me. The gospel is for everybody. So I'm going to hold the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience, which means then that I know that everybody's included, so how am I going to act? I'm going to act that way too, right? I'm going to act with a pure conscience. In other words, I've learned and now that's how I'm going to do. So for instance, let's go back to what happened in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, there were six men who were chosen in order to take care of the Grecian widows. Why would it be important to find the right person to do that? Clue, Grecian widows, which are... Gentiles, well, so far up until this point here in Jerusalem, most of the folks were rooted in what? In Judaism. So we want to have the right person. What kind of person would we be looking for? Someone who's prejudiced against, say, like Greek, Grecian Jews or, or Greek-influenced Jews? Would that be a good choice? No. We want somebody who what? They know better and they behave better. They've learned the truth, they hold the mystery, and then what about that conscience? It's been trained in such a way that it really creates a hedge against them being prejudiced against somebody else. Uh, and by the way, would, would, uh, since we've come these, yay, 2,000 years away from that, and we're pretty clear about the gospel being for everyone, do we even have to worry about prejudice anymore? Yeah. Nod your head this way. Of course we do. And it's not just about racial prejudice. It can be social prejudice. It can be educational prejudice. It can, you name it, any category, when I begin to think I'm not going to associate with you because of fill in the blank, that's a problem that violates this. We look among us for people who do not have these kinds of 
prejudices, yes? So that they will be able to minister to whom? To everybody. To everybody. Tested and found blameless. I, I want to, I'm, I'm trying to use you up now since it's the end. Uh, one text is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're looking at verses 21 and 22. Probably most everybody knows that text. And you probably know this one too, Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Actually, the second statement in verse 9. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. What do you hold on to? Good stuff. What do you run away from, throw out? Doesn't that sound simple? Okay, examine your life. What is your practice? Is that how you do it? Only take in the good, and the bad stuff we do what? I'm going to hang on and look at that for a while. That's not what we do, right? No, Ken, shaking our head this way. We don't act that way. No, so we're going to be people who are tested and found blameless, right? You can, how, how do you test something? Exactly. You examine it. Like 1 John 4 verse 1. Test the spirits whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. How do you know the truth or not? You do just what Jeremy said. You weigh it against what you know is the truth. Yes? That's, that's simple, right? Okay. And then what does Romans 12 verse 9 say? Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. To abhor something literally means to shudder from it. It just, it makes me quiver even to think about it. Evil, going to abhor it. We're going to cling to be glued, cemented to what is good. Got the picture there? So now we're looking among us for someone who's going to be serving others in some capacity. He has been tested... He's been examined. He's been put in the balance. And here's what we found. He's blameless. We don't have any accusation to bring against him. He's, he's respectable and he is of good reputation. Does that make sense? It only follows, right? I think that's a good follow-up to what we already saw. This is going to be somebody who can, who can in all good conscience deal with everybody and then when they see him, how do they see him? That's a, that is a good man. That is a good man. Now, here's something that is way different from what we had with the elders, right? So elders over there, we, we saw earlier in this text, right? Uh, the examination of the elders. Wow, that's, look at all those qualifications. Only thing it ever said about the wives was, well, he used to have one of them. And then we talked about him ruling over the household. Then we went over to Titus chapter 1. We read those qualifications. Very similar. Never anything about what kind, of, what kind of woman do you look for him to be married to. Now, first of all, just, just kind of off the cuff, why do you think that is? Why, why was there no emphasis placed on the wife for an elder in the church? Pardon? Okay, I mean, we're just looking, throw stuff out there. 
Um, could be the authority thing. Wouldn't be any question. Yeah. Um, when we think about elder, remember we're not just talking about putting a title on somebody. Every one of the words that refers to elder or bishop or shepherd or overseer, all of those are dealing with particular roles that they play. And, and in each one of those, it is, it is a spiritual management kind of role. It is watching over the whole of the church. Deacons are not junior elders. They have their own particular work. But the works that they do are service-minded. So when I'm dealing with, for instance, I, I have a rule. And, and if, if you come to me uh, wanting to uh, conference with me, you will most likely experience a result of this rule that I have. Like when I counsel with someone, if it's a guy, peace, no problem. Shut the door, whatever. If it's a woman, I, I take some precautions. First of all, I'm not going to be in the building all by myself with you. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not even going to be in the office with the door shut. I'm going to leave the door cracked. Um, Jimmy's going to know about it. Somebody's going to know that Ken's here with a woman. We're not going to meet off-site somewhere in some secluded place. Why would I do that? You don't have to answer. I'm pretty sure you already know why we wouldn't do that way. I, first of all, I don't want to put myself in a situation. I don't want to put you in that situation. Don't ever want to have a situation where somebody says, hmm, wait a minute, I saw so-and-so do this. If that seems quirky to you, peace. But that preserves both of us. Okay, so I'm a deacon. And my responsibility is the Grecian widows. Widows have how many husbands living right now? None. They're widows. They don't have husbands. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tend to the widows. Uh, would it be a good idea, you think? Kind of going along with what I floated out there a moment ago. You think it would be a good idea if a deacon who's tending to these widows had a wife who was basically qualified as he is to go and tend to them? Don't you think that's a good idea? Whether you think it is, <laughs> whether you think it is or not, boom, <laughs> right here it is. And he actually qualifies the wives of the deacons. He says that there, and also, um, will you do this for me real quick? Because I set it up here, but would you read Titus chapter two, verse three, just very quickly. The aged women likewise, that they be in good behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Okay, stop. That was the whole list. Okay, now what's interesting there is in, in Titus 2, he talks about older men, older women, younger men, younger women, their responsibilities to one another. It is interesting to me that when it came to the older experienced women, he said, these are some things I expect of you. When it came to the deacon's wives... Guess what he expected of them? Practically the very same thing. In fact, I, I, I listed them in, they're actually in exactly the same order from our text here in 1 Timothy 3 as they are over there in Titus chapter 2. Look at this. Their wives, the deacons' wives, must be reverent, exactly the same in Titus chapter 2 verse 3. Now in Titus 2 verse 3, he explains it. Talking about reverent in behavior. I emphasized that earlier, the last time when we talked about the deacon. You say, well, he's reverent. Does that mean he's reverent toward God? No, actually, it's talking about 
what he is. When people look at him, he has within him a reverence. And there in Titus 2 verse 3, that's kind of brought out. That woman is to be not just reverent as it's reverence and honoring God, but she is reverent in her behavior. In other words, her behavior is honorable, it's noble, it's a grave and honest kind of behavior. In other words, when you deal with this deacon's wife, not only do you trust him, what about her? You trust her. You ever heard anybody say, well, yeah, I like old deacon so-and-so, but his wife, I don't. I hope you're saying, no, I've never heard that. But if you have, put you a question mark right there. Yeah? Absolutely. Yes. I think absolutely, absolutely so. And since you're trying to serve a situation, I say, what do you need? Invariably, almost everybody, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. And then the next thing I hear is about how they're suffering because they don't have this or that. And, you know, got to have a, either got to have an inroad to get below the surface and, and understand the situation. And one way to do that, and... I, I, this just me. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not especially equipped in that regard. Many times, no joke. I need to say, well, uh, so can you went and visited so-and-so, uh, what's going on with them? She'll ask me 10 questions for which I have not one answer. It's like I went in there to encourage them. I went and prayed with them, but I didn't do, you know, the hundred question thing. Now, if she'd have gone with me, I'd know exactly what the diagnosis is, what the treatment is. I'd have gotten a look at the scar. I would have an idea of what the treatment plan is going to be. And before you know it, you know where I'm coming from? So you're exactly right. Just that feminine touch is invaluable, especially for a deacon who's trying to serve needs within the congregation. So she's reverent in behavior. Uh, honorable, grave, honest. Not a slanderer. Uh, literally, that means not... <laughs> slanderer sounds easier than what I'm going to tell you that word really means. Not a malicious gossip. Okay, why would you not let somebody in your house? Well, first of all, I got to trust them because I've been sick for so many... My house looks like a tornado hit it. And I don't want anybody knowing. But I'll let so-and-so come because I, I know they won't talk. Or I need help because here's what happened. I'm so ashamed of what happened that has resulted in me needing this help. If, if you are a deacon or you are the wife of a deacon, who then experiences that with this person, says, oh, sorry, you're in our prayers, and then goes and just downs that person behind their back. Have you helped that situation? No, you have not. And somebody, and I don't know who they are, and I'm hoping again that you draw a blank when I say this, but if there are people within our congregation who are known gossips, are we looking to put them in the work of a deacon? No, no, of course not. Because that creates a, not only is it sinful, but it also creates an awful situation. We're trying to help people. If people won't open the door to you because they don't trust you or because you've gone behind their back and spread gossip, 
that, that is a situation that is going to be very difficult to fix. Temperate. Now, what's interesting there, it, I, I looked at that term from 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I say, okay, yeah, looking at the, the word, I, I think that's interesting. Like, it's dealing, if you're temperate, that means you're in control. There's no excesses. You don't go too far this way or that way. You kind of keep your head about things. That, that made sense. But you remember the temperance movement in this country, really throughout the world. What was the temperance movement about? No alcohol, right? No alcohol. Well, over here in Titus chapter 2, verse 3, the statement is not given to much wine. It's a parallel injunction. It is exactly the same thing that was said about whom just a little bit ago. Deacon, earlier in this text, he wasn't just to be given to, not given to much wine. What does that tell you about their inclination toward alcohol? Uh, what percent is it? It's a zero. I don't want to, I, I tried to use this illustration earlier and then afterward I thought, I, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that it gave the right impression. So I'm going to try it, it, it again. If you're the deacon who is going to all of these houses and you are offered a meal or you're offered even wine, uh, is it okay for you to stop at every place and just take a big old tanker of it and keep moving? The answer is no. In fact, who, do we, who are we going to trust most to be going into those kinds of situations? Maybe it is that you as a servant working with the church, you're going to invest yourself in helping a member of the church who's gone off the wagon, so to speak. Is it going to be good for you to be in a situation where you're tempted to drink? Of course it's not. So who would be the safest among us to send into that situation? One of our deacons. Because our deacon, not only is the male, not only is the man not given to much wine, but what about his wife? She's also qualified by the Holy Spirit to be temperate in all things. Uh, Titus 2 verse 3, literally, the definition is spoken out, not given to much wine. And then the final thing, faithful in all things, not just some of them, all of them. Uh, what would that encompass? Uh, Doug did a really neat thing uh, tonight with the nursing home. He was talking about the blessings, the good, why, why would I want to be a Christian? You know, why would I even want to be that? Here are all these blessings that come uh, because, by virtue of the fact that you are a Christian. Okay, so if you are faithful in all things, how many things does that mean? All of them. How many would that encompass? Well, you say, I don't know, kid, if there's a thousand, I mean a thousand. Wait, can I thought of a thousand twenty? Okay, a thousand twenty. How many ever they are, you're faithful in that. So if I'm a deacon's wife, not just, the, not just the deacon, if I'm a deacon's wife, what kind of things am I going to be faithful in? And by the way, the corresponding statement in Titus 2 verse 3 says that she is a teacher of good things. That means that she has a handle on what? On the what? This thing right here. The faith. She has a handle on the faith. You think that she is faithful to the keeping of the faith, for instance, the truth of the gospel, yes or no? Is she going to be faithful in her attendance in the body of Christ? Absolutely so. Is she going to be faithful in her relationships with other members of this congregation? Yes. Is she going to be faithful 
in her support of her husband? Are they going to have a good marital relationship? Yes, 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 yes. When we're looking for deacons in the Lord's church, we're looking for faithfulness, which includes all of these things. A-L-L. Not just like, well, you know, he's good at this job, so she's kind of falling off. In fact, we hadn't seen her in a while. Is that okay? No, it's not, because she is faithful in how much? Not just some of it, not some selective things. He's not just talking about the preceding things. In fact, what he just did was he said, these are hot button things that you ought to look for in a deacon's wife. However, let me just give you a summation. She, like is being evidenced with him, is faithful in all of it. All of it. You think that now a deacon is a junior elder? No. They are fully qualified. Yes? A different role to play. Does that make sense? Well, he's to be the husband of one wife. You know, we spent an entire class session talking about what that meant and what it didn't mean. You remember what we boiled it down to eventually? What it literally means is a one-woman man. Not a one-at-a-time woman man, but a one-woman man. And what it eventually boiled down to was, no, he's not talking about, he's not talking about a widowed situation because clearly, uh, Romans chapter 7, when that death occurs, they're freed from the relationship. So that's, that's not it. Uh, it's not talking about somebody who was, you know, a polygamist. Because he's not even in the church to start with. You know, he had, he's got to repent of that before he was even baptized. So that, that's not it. Most likely what we're talking about is someone who has married and divorced several times. He's like, I'm happily married now. Oh, let me tell you about those other relationships. They were this or that. And we say, well, okay, we trust you. Yeah, that's probably right. But we don't really know. We're just kind of taking your word for it. When it comes to the Lord's church and the office of an elder, the wording is exactly the same here as it was there. When it came to the spiritual wel welfare of the church, we say, you know what? It may be that in your divorce, your previous divorce, that it was legitimate and all of that, but we don't, we don't really know. We're just kind of taking your word for it. So uh, what does the other family say? Well, you know, the other family, you don't even want to talk. Don't trust me, brother. You don't want to talk to them because they just, they just hate me. Uh, okay, peace, they may hate you, but what is it that they're spreading behind your back? Understand that this doesn't minimize you at all. You, you may be as faithful as can be, but what does it do? It creates this, this big question mark. It does. And if I were, this is me, if I were in, in the thought process of becoming an elder, but I had had a divorce in my past, I, I know that it was legit. But, you know, I, my ex-wife, she, you know, said all these things about, am I going to spend my whole work as an elder in the church putting out fires, here's what I would do. I would not do it. Because that ultimately does what to the church? It, it, it hurts it. It does. I, I, I'm on your side. But it hurts it. Okay, what about a deacon? Can we just kind of minimize the requirements now for deacons? Because after, after all, they're just junior elders. It doesn't really... The answer is no. The, the requirement's exactly the same. Yes or no? Um, can you effectively work in the church and not ever in your whole lifetime be an elder? 
Yes, you can. Can you be effective in the work of the church and, for your whole lifetime and not be a deacon? Yes. yes, you can. But if I take on the designation of deacon, among the people that are qualified, and there are many, we have selected these. And oh, by the way, there are these problems that we're having to address. To me, that takes attention off of the service as I just want to serve. Um, I can't serve if I'm not a deacon. Is that true? No, that's not true. I can, in fact, deacons are people who most likely are already what? Serving. In fact, look at this. Not only do they rule, you know that rule is to govern, preside. They rule their children, their houses well. They obtain a good standing if they serve well. They obtain great boldness in the faith if they serve well. You look at them and the role they play, the purpose of being in that role is twofold. Good standing, that's a good reputation among those who are outside, and great boldness in the faith. I have nothing that holds me back. Maybe it is that you're one of these people. You've been studying this for six months now and been thinking about that eldership position. You've been waffling on it all this time. Maybe you even said something to me and weren't sure, couldn't commit this way or that way. I'm just kind of thinking about it. If you've been thinking about it, guess what time it is? It's time to make a decision. Do I desire this office? Let me put it this way. Does the church need good, strong, qualified leaders? Yes or no? Yes, it does. If you find that you are qualified according to these scriptures, how can you not rise up and say, Lord, send me into this work. I want to do this. My desire is to serve you. And if I'm qualified, listen, is everybody qualified? No. And sometimes out of no fault of their own. But if you are qualified, don't you feel a responsibility to seek after that office? Not out of arrogance or desire to lord over because what did we just do to you? It's disqualified you. That is not what this is about. But it is to serve the congregation. If that's you, you need to let the elders who now are watching over our souls, let them know. Are you somebody who said, ah, you know what? That isn't me, but I'll tell you, I, I love what our deacons do. That seems more in line with, with what I'm capable of doing. I, I, you know, I, I think about my wife, my life partner, what we've been able to accomplish to God's glory. And now that we've gone through this, I'm, I kind of have a sense of relief. I thought, I thought it was like, you know, I gotta be qualified like an elder in order to, Wait a minute. Now that I think about it, yeah, that is something that I could do. Then let me ask you this. Why wouldn't you do it? This church, does this church need qualified deacons? Yes, it does. Then why don't you, with great desire in your heart, let the elders know that you have that desire. And let's, let's look among us for the works that we can do with you in mind. Wouldn't that be amazing? Won't that be amazing to have these men rise up, take responsibility? And you talking about a group of people that will love and appreciate you? I mean, we even write songs about our elders. Yes, Doug, we write. Can you add an extra verse? We can do it. So there's no challenge. Can we get some more fat heads? We can do it, but desire it. 
and then serve the Lord to a great capacity. Let's pray and then... We've got to have a lot of syllables. That's not necessarily a qualification, but it would help. All right, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word again. I pray, Lord, that you will move these men to act on the desire that they'd have to serve you. You, you are the one that has equipped them in this way. They have, they have answered the call up until now. And I pray, Lord, that you'll motivate them, push them just that extra little bit to take on these responsibilities. Thank you for the men that we already have and for the great way that they have served before us. And I pray, Lord, that, that through this process that our congregation will be stronger than ever. Please keep us safe as we're going from this place. And Lord, please give us another day so that we can exercise our faith and be a blessing among the people that we're living with and give us opportunity to bring glory and honor to you through our life. In Jesus' name, amen.